Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Thursday night football. Brace yourself. Here come the Atlanta Falcons at 1-6 and, and the Carolina Panthers at 3-4. and four. Can you feel the passion, PK? Who did the Panthers play last week if they almost won? It was a good game. Bridgewater looked good. Was it, was it the, the Saints? Saints? Yeah. You think of the yeah, Saints game? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I was watching that. Yeah. So he did, he did with, look good. They went back and forth. Yeah. Went over on the bench with Drew and Taysom Hill. And Taysom, Hill. Yeah. I mean, he went, yeah, it was funny. Taysom was smiling. So, yeah. I mean, it's not the the sexiest matchup, obviously, but it's watchable to me. It's the NFL, and the Bridgewater, you know, had to had a, had a little bit of a, the, a comeback thing going on here, and I like to see that. So I don't I don't think Carolina, by any stretch, is dirt. I mean, we pump up Arizona, and Carolina gave Arizona one of its two losses. Yes, it's just that the Panthers right now are three and four, and two games behind the Cardinals, game and a half behind the Saints. They got ground to make up to get back in the playoff race, but this is one they ought to get. The Falcons are one and six, and made a complete mess of that game in Detroit, scoring a touchdown when they were just trying to run down the clock and get the game-winning field goal. They beat the Vikings, but other than that, nothing. Rematch of a game played like three weeks ago, a month ago. Panthers won, so. NFL is moving forwards with plans for a reduced capacity Super Bowl to be played February 7th. Uh, if they have to extend the season, the first thing they're going to do is get rid of the week before the Super Bowl. They're already not playing the Pro Bowl. So they could collapse that and add a week 18 if they need that to reschedule some games. No. So far, they haven't had to. So I wouldn't. I would have it on Tuesday afternoon. How many times have I been telling you? <laughs> Uh, the stadium normally holds 65,000. Temporary seating, they can push it to 75,000. It's a pandemic, so they're looking at pods six feet apart. I don't know, are people going to be like in plastic bubbles? I don't know, what are these pods going to look like? you got to accommodate the high rollers, paying a lot of money, PK. Well, it's not being played now, so who's to say what's like in uh, February? Think positive for once in your life. I am. I want to see those pods. I want something totally space age. I want something that just says it's 2362 and the Jetsons rule the planet. I don't think the Jets are going to be in a Super Bowl. Ah, well done. Bucks coach Bruce Arians said Antonio Brown, quote, looked fantastic, closed quote. In his first practice with the franchise. He's in the last week of an eight-week suspension. Can't practice with the full team yet, but he can do workouts separately with the strength and conditioning staff. But I don't think this has ever been about Brown looking fantastic in workouts. That's not the problem. So, Oh, I think that's exactly what it's been about because if he's not looking fantastic, he's not going to be on the field because he has way too much baggage. So the fact that he does look fantastic is the very reason why he's able to look fantastic. If he looked average, he would be nowhere near an NFL facility. The Seattle Seahawks have a good offense. A Super Bowl contending worthy offense, but the defense has been holding back, so they're shoring it up, PK. The Cincinnati Bengals trade career sack leader Carlos Dunlap to the Seahawks for offensive lineman B.J. Finney and a 2021 seventh-round draft pick. Dunlap has 82.5 career sacks in 11 seasons. 
Ah, a chance to pressure the quarterback here. That could tighten up the act on defense if it works. Well, yeah, absolutely, because the defense got old. And the offense, well, Russell Wilson has matured. He hasn't gotten old. And they've replaced other parts that they were able to supplement. But you need to have the quarterback. They've got the quarterback. We know they had some great defensive players over the years, particularly in their two Super Bowl runs. And those guys moved on, salary cap, age, what injury. So they have to reload there. So on paper, anyway, it looks like it's an excellent opportunity to get better. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Yeah, you know, it's a dream. It's a blessing for sure. You know, I always tell the guys on the team this when they bring it up is it's really a team award, right? You know, no one's winning the Heisman if you're losing games. You know, if, if you're not having an O-line that's protecting for you to be able to, ha- I mean, shoot, I haven't gotten hit all year. You know, if, if I don't have that time in the pocket, if I don't have receivers going up and high pointing balls and, you know, coming down with it or a defense making a stop after I fumble a snap on the 10 yard line and, and they jump on, if I don't have a defense that's stopping those guys on the 10, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be in that conversation. So I tell those guys, all the time that you know it's really a reflection of our season so far as a team and I think that we have that confidence and swagger and so um, really it's it's great to be part of it just because I think it's I think it's a team award that's Zach Wilson talking about being in the Heisman conversation you and I both believe Trevor Lawrence is going to win the Heisman and there's another list of guys you can say who are going to be one of the finalists but if you get some pub and you get some run from the school it's all about recruiting get your name out there it is more all together now it is more exposure yeah, this is a dream come true. This is what they've yearned for. Uh, and they're getting great exposure. This is this is obviously, all things considered, the best exposure they've had since they've gone independent. I don't even think it's close, man. I think it's something that this is what they've wanted. This is what they have. they got to keep it going. They'll keep it going this week. Obviously, uh, we know that against uh, Western Kentucky, is it? And uh, then next week is the, is the showdown. And they win that one. We'll see if uh, there might be some games that Tom can add. And, yeah, absolutely, man. This is a very, very positive season for them. And you can go, yeah, but. But big deal. Go, yeah, but all you want. It doesn't matter. The exposure that they're getting is not a yeah, but. It's actual, literal exposure. So it's not about yeah, but when it comes to exposure. If you want to go how good they are, then you could go the eh, yeah, but. But you can't go the yeah, but with the exposure that they're receiving. That, I will not even entertain one instant of that as a conversation because that's 100% wrong. They're getting maximum exposure. If you want to say they've beaten a bunch of nobodies, go ahead. But in terms of exposure, it is coming in spades. They're getting the discussion. They're getting the interviews. They're getting the uh, their topic on, uh, on college football shows. Cashing in. Yes. And I do have to correct him, though, because he says you don't win the Heisman if you're losing games. And everyone knows in 1956, Paul Horning won the Heisman, and Notre Dame was 2-8 that year. Okay, so give him bonus points because he wasn't born. And that was then, this is now. I wasn't born in 1956 either, buddy. Time, Yeah, but you're a football (laughs) historian. Oh, no, I just looked it up right now. Wisconsin's football team has paused all team-related activities for at least seven days because of an increased number of COVID-19 cases, causing the number 9 Badgers game against Nebraska to be canceled. Twelve people within the program testing positive, six athletes, six staff members, including the head coach, Paul Christ. And it all led to this tremendous tweet from Jerry Palm, CBS. 
who said, uh, angry when the season was canceled to the point of suing the league. Angry when the season came back because the schedule started with Ohio State and Wisconsin. Now angry they can't play Wisconsin after all. Is there no pleasing Nebraska folks? Going after the Huskers. I like it. I'm here for it. Who's Jerry's? Isn't the guy who does like uh, uh, college football brackets? He does do the basketball, basketball brackets. Basketball brackets for CBS Sports. He also does football shows, coverage yeah. too. He is uh, CBS's Joe Lenardi. Is he really? Accomplished musician at that. He is the USA Today's Jeff Sagarin. What? How is he accomplished musician? I didn't know that. He plays he play the clarinet. Obviously. <laughs> the clarinet, huh? Yeah, nice. you see he actually has played in pep bands with college students over the years. Oh, you're going to love this one, PK. I'm just going to read it and then I'm going to duck. The Houston Rockets are hiring Dallas Mavericks assistant coach Steven Silas to become the franchise's next head coach, replacing Mike D'Antoni. Oh, I just skipped ahead, didn't I? My bad. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't live. Sound it, please. Hashtag NBA. (laughs) Steven Silas, Paul Silas' coach. A son is now the new head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. Worked for his dad early in his career in Charlotte. Got the foot in the door. The fifth father-son combination to be NBA head coaches. Can you name the other four? Uh, let's see. Larry and Greg Miller. No. No. <laughs> Larry and Steve Miller. The uh, Bickerstaffs. Yeah, I would I would need a moment. The oh, Musclemans. Uh, Malone. Malone at uh, Denver. The Malones. We got three. I just need one more. Uh, Phil Jackson and Michael Jackson. Tweet at us, people. Otherwise, PK's going to go crazy here. <laughs> You don't want that. I don't want that. Just tweet it in the other combination. Who's the other one? We're, the other father-son combo we're forgetting. Uh, Joe Frazier and Walt Frazier. Paul James and David James. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> that one is going to happen, though. You know that. <laughs> NBA revenue dropped 10% to $8.3 billion uh, for the season they just completed. Uh NBA sharing the, the numbers, financial numbers shared with teams obtained by ESPN. The balance of the finances included an $800 million loss in gate receipts and $400 million loss in sponsorships and merchandise. They also say about $200 million is kind of deemed the net negative impact from the uh, partnership in China falling apart over the course of the season. And there's also projections that they could be down about 40% of the revenue in the upcoming season. We already know they're shortening the season by 10 games, so you can check one box right there. Obviously, that's going to cost them some money. wonder how much this plays into the sale with the, uh, with the Jazz. You know, there's probably multiple motivations, but they didn't take, uh, they didn't take questions in the press conference, so that kind of limits how much we know. And who knows how much Gail would have chosen to share, even if she was quizzed about it. What difference does it make now, though? Who really cares? The deal's gone. Those are just details. The deal's done. Right. The ownership's gone. It's from the family. It's moving on. So I mean, she had a, a Zoom meeting that I was on yesterday, and then our management had one last night that I was on, and they discussed that. In the final analysis, it doesn't matter anymore. This thing is going to go through, and there's a new owner, and we'll obviously discuss that extensively today. We will. Coming up, Travis Hansen. 8 o'clock, former BYU basketball star. 
Knows Ryan Smith from Qualtrics, who is buying the team. We'll talk with Travis about Ryan. Joe Ingles, jazz player. Going to get the players' reaction to this. And Craig Bullerjack, TV Voice of the Jazz, all scheduled to join us today. So there'll be plenty of uh, looking, looking back, remembering the 35 years, and looking ahead and where might this be going now. So plenty of that to come. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Well, Major League Baseball is starting an investigation into Justin Turner violating coronavirus protocols, celebrating on the field with his teammates, refusing instructions. I don't know what there is to investigate, PK. He didn't have a mask. He was on the field. It was on TV. What are they investigating exactly? Who told him or who he bull rushed by who should have stopped him? Investigate what? Well, I mean, you have to do it for appearance sake because... The folks who, like I told you, we're going to get all the lectures. I opened up the L.A. Times this morning, Plasky. Justin Turner's act of selfishness leaves a stain on Dodgers championship moment. Uh, So, I mean, we're going to start seeing the lectures come, and I looked, and they're going to be there. Uh, And meanwhile, we've seen hundreds of thousands of people in downtown cities looting and doing whatever with no masks and crickets. So it's selective outrage. And so they're going to come. And I would imagine, though, that there would be some uh, type of uh, sanction, punishment, whatever you want to use. He's going to have to miss a few games at the start of next season and possibly slash probably get fined. And the club might, too. Uh, we've seen, I don't ever think they would because he, he defied their orders. He was told to leave, and he said no, apparently, if you believe what they, what right. they say. I guess that's so, part of the investigation. Who said what and what was he told? I can see all that. They'll, they'll probably get uh, some type of uh, sanction. And then we go on. And, I mean, the big thing, the most important thing is that, you know, who was exposed and are they tested and what uh, what the issues there are and what their health is. I mean, obviously, everyone's health is the most important thing. It doesn't seem like he should have done all that. He should have gone and taken the precautions, but nevertheless, he didn't. I just get tired of the media lecturing us about this stuff. I give you lectures on stuff that doesn't matter. They don't get, and it's selective lectures. That's my thing. Well, what about over here? You know, we don't hear anything about this, but over here, if something happens, well, we hear about it. We just don't hear about it from those people. I I guess you could say, I mean, Plasky, just because he's the example you used. But you know, did he write about all the Dodger fans celebrating in the streets? I mean, that was a big turnout. I don't know if you saw the video of the guy who was uh, in the intersection was crowded, and he was. It looked like he'd won a NASCAR race. He was. You know, spinning out and all that. And they were lighting off fireworks. And then there was a fire. He drove over a firework and his car caught on fire. So oh, obviously yeah. that went viral on social media. Yeah. Everything does. Yep. It really does. Dodgers and Rays World Series, uh, 32% below the previous low World Series. Too many sports all at once or the way TV is trending. I saw a Fox executive do some, and it was long. He wrote a book on Twitter about how it's what the number is in relation to the primetime shows around it and how read it did you uh, i got about halfway through it i did stop i gotta admit i bailed out cares about tv (laughs) ratings my goodness because this sport's dying he's like no it's not the only thing that's better than the baseball is the nfl dj pk hashtag rsl RSL's playoff hopes taking another hit, beaten in San Jose. 
Two goals for Chris Wondolowski, and for RSL, they hit the frame one more time. But this this and wasn't the post. that close. They hit the post. This was uh, this was San Jose's game. They they controlled it. They dominated. There was no uh, no flukishness to this win at all. And Wondolowski, thirty seven years old. So. I'm not a soccer expert by any stretch of the imagination, but all the whining about the refereeing. Yeah, not getting the... Silva's probably still talking to the referees. <laughs> they subbed him off because they were worried he was going to get a red card. I he... mean, but on and on, you're just devoting too much energy. I, there was like a 10-minute period where it seemed like it was 20 times. Well, when he Somebody's pulled... going down and somebody's whining. Let he... it go. He pulled, he pulled down the socks to uh, to show his leg and like, look at the puncture wounds. That's from the bottom of that guy's shoe. What are you doing over there? It did go on for a while. And they were worried about him getting red. And they, they took him out with about 20 minutes to go and subbed him off. I just think that you don't have enough focus to worry about refereeing to that extent in any sport. Yeah. And you're I'm already not a down. soccer guy by any stretch, but yeah, it just but, seemed like it was too much but, emotion. But that's about all sports. You know, you know, what are you focused on? But he was right. mad at, he was mad about he was mad about getting getting uh, kicked slash stepped on the first time. I he was, get it. I he's get mad it. the second and they were all mad that Crylock um, totally drew the foul in the box and got a yellow card for it. And he thought he should have had a penalty and a chance to tie the game. So it, but at that point, you're right. It's it was a, simulation. It wasn't. But that's what he got the yellow card for. But, uh, my only advice to you guys. Yeah. What the hell is simulation? You never explained it. it you fake going down. You simulate falling down. Oh, but you didn't say that. Well, I thought you I knew. I had to try to figure frankly. out what is simulation. And not all of us are soccer experts. We, we, we didn't grow up in Europe. I need you two to explain to me. Simulation? Give me, an, give me a little hint on what it means. What is tri- I'm tri- no, no, I'm not done here. This, no, stop interrupting me when it comes to soccer. You've been waiting for that for a long time. Manifesto <laughs> time. Let's go. Here we go. Jake Scott, I hope you're listening. <laughs> too early. Call you can tell him about call it. Call in if you are. <laughs> no, it's not too early. I've texted him before 7. He's got a little kid. <laughs> so, back to one morning. It was, I think it was last week. I sent something to Jake. Hey, I'm not hearing any sound, but I sent it to the wrong Jake. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was like quarter to seven or something or whatever it was. And so he goes, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that was just too good to pass up, man. Uh, my morning is already made. <laughs> it's all gravy. <laughs> 7.23 in the morning, and we've had a good one already. <laughs> Uh, that was I enjoyed was saying that by the way. <laughs> you can continue now. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up. Looking back at 35 good years, looking ahead to what comes next. What does the future look like? How much do things change? How quickly? What do they change and look like? We're going to talk with people who know Ryan Smith, built Qualtrics from the ground up, and now ready to go to work on the Utah Jazz. And uh, he's been around uh, BYU his whole life, BYU Athletics. His, His dad was at BYU and... So a former BYU player who knows him and has talked basketball with him, and I suspect played basketball with him, but we'll find out with Travis Hansen coming up at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! 
with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Monumental day. If we think about the history of our state and our sports franchises, our first owner was an out-of-state guy, brought his outside money into Utah. And at the time, we didn't really have the infrastructure and business and we're a very undeveloped city at that point. And then you take the next owner, is this guy who's Utah's own, and he starts in the parts department, he builds up his empire. And this is the next stage, and this is a guy who's made it, right? He had the single biggest software tech deal ever in the history of the world. I think this is really symbolic of kind of where our state is going, and we've had the right person for where our state is leading us the whole way, and it seems as though Ryan and Ashley are the next right step. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. <laughs> Just got your music there? What are you doing? Coming <laughs> along. I'm in a fired-up mood today, man. Yeah? How come? Because I think this is a great move for Jazz fans, and that's I feel like that's whom I represent. I didn't play the game. I didn't coach the game. Whatever. My connection is to the fan. That's who I am. I'm the common guy. As Gail Miller said in her interview with Doug Robinson in the D News, you can go look it up, she felt like all her employees were family from janitors to the management. Well, what she's saying there, by saying janitors to the management, you're saying from the bottom from the top. My father was a janitor my whole freaking life. I'm from the bottom. That's when you say from the janitors to the management, you're saying, aren't you, you, I think you would agree, from the bottom to the top. I'm the bottom. That is what you're saying, and I know being around you for, uh, well, more than two decades, but two decades doing the show, but obviously we knew each other for several years before that. I know that when when you hear the word janitor, it produces a Pavlovian response. You automatically think of your dad, and you think of being five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, 30 years old. <laughs> and, I mean, that just, it's, it'll never change with you. That it's, yeah. too, it's too deeply ingrained in you for you to do anything else but here they're talking about my dad. Yeah, and I'm from the bottom. That's where I came from. And I represent the fans, and I really believe that this is an outstanding move for the fans. I'm fired up for the Not, for jazz fans today. We uh, we talk less than people think, but we know more uh, about each other, and we try not to do the show off the air so that we make sure we do the show on the air. And I think there are two reasons you're fired up now. And I've heard this from multiple people because both of us, I'm sure, wore our cell phone batteries down to nothing, plugged it back in and recharged and kept talking uh, to different people about this. And the two consistent things I heard from the people who um, wanted to look ahead were it's going to be a jolt of energy and new ideas. I heard the phrase new ideas over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over and over. That that has occurred to so many people on their own. I think that resonates with a lot of people. What and, and it's more a question mark. I don't think anybody has a definitive hold on what Ryan Smith is going to want to come in and do. And he probably has some ideas, but there's probably some other stuff, you know, that he wants to explore and will, you know, figure out going forward at year two, three, whatever it is. Um, but I think it's just the concept. Hey, there's going to be something new. There's going to be something different. This is going to be a jolt of energy. Yeah, the thing that excites me, there's multiple things, and I did. I reached out to several people yesterday by right off the bat. I mean, as soon as uh, 
uh, Gail Miller and Ryan Smith and his wife were done with their press conference, which, as you said earlier, they didn't take questions, so it's pretty short because it's not official yet, but it's going to happen because the NBA is known of Ryan Smith now for a number of years. Mark Cuban, I think he tweeted out something along the lines, or he was quoted. I don't know if it was a tweet. I don't spend as much time on Twitter as you guys, so you can back me up on this. But I saw it where Ryan Smith or uh, Mark Cuban said, yeah, I've known him for a while. I wish he didn't buy a Western Conference team. Uh, that was a that's it. Tweet to a Channel Two reporter, uh, Kyle. Kyle reached out okay. to him and was doing the profile on who is Ryan Smith for our news yesterday. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. He he was very. He had just gotten that tweet back when I called them, uh, and he and I talked for a few minutes. Right. And he's so, like, Cuban just tweeted back at me. <laughs> yeah, he does. Oh that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does I that. Used to email him all the time when I was working for the Watchdog. Yeah. And uh, was doing NBA stuff. He was always readily available. But it makes sense. They're from they're from the tech sector. Of course, their paths have yeah. crossed over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing that I love, I think Ryan's going to come in, and he's coming, he's coming in to play to win. He's got the finances. He's coming in to win. There's, and there's going to be change. There's two things about change. Change is inevitable, even if the Millers had owned the team forever. There's going to be change. It's, there's always change, right? And it may come slower, but now that he owns it, I can't say that there's going to be radical changes, but there's going to be change. But change was an evolution that was going to happen anyway. You just look at the rosters. We're going to have Joe Ingles on in an hour or so. He's going, what, going into his seventh or eighth year? I mean, that's a long time in the NBA world to be with a singular franchise. It's just the way it is. So you got that going on. I really believe he's going to come in and play to win. And then I can only speak from my personal experience. Local ownership is absolutely awesome. This guy is born and bred. He's Larry Miller part two. Uh, and he has the finances already, whereas Larry, as we understand it, you know, took risk and was obviously he was a businessman who was a genius. There's no question about that. And he didn't have it at the beginning, but he built it up. He's a local guy. I don't know. And, and by their own acknowledgement, they didn't necessarily love basketball, but they wanted to keep the franchise here. So Brian Smith loves basketball. I've spoken to him. We've had him on the air multiple times, yep. but I've spoken to him probably two or three times at, in other settings, and I can tell you, we've spoken about basketball, we've spoken about golf, and I love both of those, right? And he has a passion for both of those. So he's coming in to play to win. And then from my experience, local ownership is critical. When I got here, my very first day in an interview at the Salt Lake Tribune, they fly me into town, and they say, hey, take the shuttle over. The, the building was down on Main Street now, that I mean then. And uh, first guy I meet, first guy takes me out to lunch immediately to Lambs right down the street oh, was yeah. Tom McCarthy. Tom McCarthy's family owned the Tribune. I felt like I was meeting with the owner. I was so impressed. I met with the owner. Tom McCarthy was in the newsroom. I think the world of Tom McCarthy. I, I see him occasionally today. Great, great man. He made me want to be the best journalist that I could be because I felt like, well, Tom McCarthy, he's coming over to talk to me almost daily that I speak to him. Certainly weekly I saw him. And he owned the paper. And Jay Shelley was the editor. And I saw these guys all the time. I had enormous respect for them. Still do. Uh, don't see him near as much. I don't see Jay at all. But I see Tom occasionally because he's a big Ute fan. And the McCarthy practice field that is there. And they've donated a lot. And they've built the uh, McCarthy Center up in Gonzaga because that's where they went. So Tom and his brother Phil. I didn't know Phil as much, but I knew Tom very well. And he was the owner. And you felt like, man, you had a direct line to the ownership. It just seemed like it was more important. Then when we go over and we start the radio show 19 years ago, we're working for Simmons. David Simmons was there. We yep. saw him. We talked to him. 
right? And then we come over here to the Millers. The Millers are owned, locally owned. We know them, right? I don't spend a lot of time talking to them, but I know they're in the community. I know the community matters. It's not to say you can't have it if you don't uh, have local, but in my experience, those three examples that I just gave you affected me dramatically to where I know I'm working for somebody who really cares about the community, compare, compare, cares about me, comp- cares about the product. And in my mind, it was way, way better than when I worked for a conglomerate or after, and I was, the, new, the, the Tribune has been sold 25 times and I was there uh, when it got sold and it just didn't seem as good. The product didn't seem as good. The care didn't seem as good. All those things that go into it. So here you got Ryan Smith, who is a local. He's Larry Miller part two. And we know how much Larry cared. Ryan Smith is going to care just as much, if not more. Gail and Larry have now been replaced by Ryan and Ashley. From the jazz fan perspective, which I feel like I bring, because I'm the janitor's son here. I'm not the management son. I'm the janitor's son. I'm the common guy. I feel like for a jazz fan out there, Mary and Mark jazz fan, this is a great move. I said this at the end of the show yesterday. Completely believe it. When you are a local owner, the circle you move in cares. And you want to be able to hold the head up, put the shoulders back, chest out, walk around with pride, knowing that on and off the the field, on and off the court, depending on the sport, that it's being run well. People know it's being run well. They like the way it looks. They're energized about going to games, sponsoring a team, buying tickets, whatever it is, buying jerseys, whatever it is buying luxury suites, whatever it is that they do, however they participate, whether someone sees you in the store or it's the people that you do business with. And if you've ever rooted for a team that's moved, hey uh, you know, when you have someone who grew up somewhere else and is just there because the business is there and they got their eye wandering somewhere else, and it's 15 years of that playing out, <laughs> before it finally does, it's just kind of a gloom hanging over it. I think it goes back to the word energy. You know, the, a local owner is going to want to walk around with pride because everybody they know cares about that team. Or in the case of the newspaper, everybody cared about that business, right? People read it yeah. in the morning. They were they were looking at them, judging Sam's weird and harsh, but they were judging the McCarthy's by how the product was. So, of course, the McCarthy's wanted the product to be great. And yeah. it oh, is yeah, different when it's definitely. when it's a conglomerate and the owner is in New York or L.A. Yeah. or in the case of Sinclair right now, it's Baltimore. You know, it's a different deal. Um, it's, it's numbers. It's spreadsheets. It's send me the report. And it just... It, it just feels different. So, and I think especially in sports where, yes, some people are keeping score with the money on the balance sheet, and other people are keeping score with the standings. Uh, but those two things can be tied together. You know, the vision you have for the team, the energy you execute it with, the attention to detail. I just think all of that stuff gets honed and focused when it's a local person who has pride and wants to be able to walk around town with those shoulders back. I'm like, we're doing it right. We got this thing rolling. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, the, one of the good things, too, is I don't think, and I could be wrong here, and I could be speaking out of turn, uh, but I don't think uh, Ryan Smith has cronies in the NBA that he wants to come in and have run the franchise. You know, uh, Diamondbacks hired Tony La Russa, and then he hired Dave, Smith, uh, Dave Stewart as the GM. And every time I watch the Braves, 
I cringe because they had the number one pick. They took Dansby Swanson, the shortstop, and they traded him for a pitcher who was a complete and total bust, the number one pick. And they didn't do the analytics. They brought He brought in a friend. The friend wasn't qualified, obviously. Larusa is supposed to be named the uh, manager of the White Sox today at 75. Um, but Smith has never, or Stewart, has never been a general manager before or after. And they sucked. <laughs> because he brought in his friend. I don't think that Ryan Smith has that. I can tell you that Ryan Smith has been in Dennis Lindsay's office when some high-level stuff has been had been discussed. I know that. I know that because Ryan told me. So he has relationships with these guys. He doesn't have any cronies that he's got to reward because they helped him along the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so he's going to make decisions that are best interest to the Jazz because he's not beholden to anybody. You know, nobody helped him in the NBA world, and now it's his time to reward that person. You know what I mean? Uh, to pay back. There's, I don't think there's any of that. So my point is, is that he's not beholden to anybody. He can come in and make the best decisions that he feels are in the best interest of his franchise that he now owns 80% of and is going, according to Gail Miller, is going to call the shots. He's the boss. But he already has ex- ex- existing relationships with these folks, I, I use Dennis Lindsay as an example, right? So he knows him. He has a good relationship with him. So the point being there, this should be somewhat of a smooth transition. You know, you never know what's going to happen. I can't predict that. You know, I, if he wants me to stay in my job, boy, I sure want to. <laughs> and I tell you that much. I love working for this company. I love working with you and, and the folks we work with. And, and I'd like to continue for many years to come because I'd like to be a part of it, and a small part, obviously, but a part of what Ryan Smith is going to be able to do because I believe that he's going to be able to do great things. We got a lot of reaction flowing in. We put it up on Facebook yesterday. Some of you are posting. A lot of you are tweeting at us this morning. Uh, some of you are on the exact same page as us. Actually, PK, something you just said a few minutes ago, Aaron posted. He reminds me of a young Larry Miller. I hope the outcome is the same as it was for Larry. A good 35-year run. Oh, phenomenal 35-year run. I don't think there's any question. And that's what I think local ownership, local intensity, local passion, all the things that you need, obviously Larry Miller had, and Ryan Smith is going to have that too. And that that's what's exciting. I don't think that you, know, you necessarily need to be uh, a Utah native. Eventually you can be uh, somebody of that ilk. I mean, Kyle Whittingham played at BYU, but he's a Utah guy. Right, He has been there long enough now. He is a Utah guy through and through. And that has benefited the Utes because we all know f- for factual that he's had opportunities to leave. But one of the things that excited him, because I've, I've stood on Little League fields with the guy, <laughs> is that he, literally, I have. I know you have. It's very he, important that you have. <laughs> he is excited that, or was excited, that his kids all went to Butler Middle, Brighton High, the U of U. That, he feels like that's one of his great accomplishments, and he has a great family, in large in part because of that. He's a Utah guy, and that has benefited the University of Utah football program immensely. Urban Meyer at no point was ever going to be a Utah guy. It's not to take away from what he did, but we knew full well it was a wham-bammer. You know what I mean? It was going to just be the, um, how um, long? There has never been a press conference I've been at that's had more questions asked in various ways, the different versions of how long are you going to be here? 
right. the, the, my personal world record for introductory press conferences where the question is about how long are you going to be here. The word on that guy is he is a rising star. This is a great hire, but yeah. he's just passing through town. And that, you know, we call around because we don't know, right? We're not following the Bowling Green program. When we call around to hear stuff, everybody who called around heard the same thing. This guy is an A-lister on a rocket ship. Enjoy him while you got him. And every, right. I, wasn't, I wasn't actually at that press conference either. Uh, other people were covering it for both radio and TV, and I was listening to it, and I couldn't believe how many people asked that question in different, different ways, and I thought, wow, everybody's really dialed into this. And sure enough, look how the next 20 months played out. So you're right about the, the local part really pays off with Kyle. Hopefully it'll pay off here. But it, you know, the, the Miller's 35 years of local investment um, got some mentions. I was, watching, uh, I was watching a national show, and I'll tell you about it next. We'll get to that okay. coming up. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The Jazz have been sold to Ryan and Ashley Smith from Qualtrics. I think the thing you can take away from today's conversation is you have one established Utah family selling an NBA team to another established Utah family. And that's the most important thing is the realization that this team is not going anywhere with a family in Ryan and Ashley that is bound and determined to make this team successful here in Utah. And will do everything they can to bring a championship to Utah. That was always Larry's goal. That was Gail's goal. And I think we can all safely say that's very much Ryan's goal as well. We've seen some of these big tech giants step in as owners. Look at Mark Cuban's purchase of the Dallas Mavericks and how far they've come. The passion that he has for that team. I believe that Ryan Smith will have that same passion for the Utah Jazz. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's back. The Utah Snowmobile Expo is this weekend. Scott and Hans will be there Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Hey, today's Thursday. They'll be there today from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with interviews from vendors featuring all the new machines and gear for this year. Don't miss this year's show at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy. Brought to you by Spy Racing and Snow West Magazine. So, PK, I flip on PTI, a.k.a. the I-95 show. And, of course, uh, they spent the first six to eight minutes on uh, various World Series storylines, from Kershaw finally getting his title to uh, Tampa Bay and the uh, controversial pitching, uh, you know, pull the starting pitcher uh, when yeah. he's got a shutout going. So there's a lot of that. Right. But, you know, the, in the last segment, uh, they whipped through several headlines. And the show's right. taped. So... You know, I don't know how much time they had and all that, but usually what happens is one guy sets up the story and the other guy reacts. And I was pretty sure they would do this um, because I've seen Michael Wilbon in the Jazz locker room before. And Kornheiser doesn't like to fly, so he's not going to be in the locker room in the mountain time zone very often when he's living in the eastern time zone. But... Wilbon likes to spend time in Chicago and Arizona, so being in Utah isn't a big deal for him. Um, and he and they read the headline about the sale and all that, and uh, and so Wilbon has only got like ten to fifteen seconds to react, but it was really melancholy. He's like, "Wow, it's uh, every and it's something I can't remember exactly what he said, but basically what you've been saying about you know everything changes." But he goes, "But it's been in the family thirty five years." 
You know, uh-huh. that, that's yeah. a that's a long run, and it's the kind of run that gets the attention of somebody who's working in Washington. Now he's working for a paper with a national profile, and he's a national columnist. So literally one night I was uh, in like the second wave of people talking to Carl Malone because Carl's locker was in the corner. And so the first wave of people back away and there just literally wasn't room for everybody. And I'm in the second wave and I'm one of the last people to back away. And as I back away, I almost stumble into someone. I turn around and I'm like, well, that's Michael Wilbon. <laughs> What's he doing here? And yeah, literally the first words out of Carl Malone's mouth are, what are you doing here? He didn't need an introduction. Wilbon had interviewed him multiple times and multiple places. Carl knew exactly who he was, you know, but he didn't expect him there. But there's some tie, even for somebody who's a national sports writer living in another town, it's a little melancholy, you know? Everything changes. And, and you know, I think yeah, Gail, yeah. Gail's in her late 70s. I think she's 77, but you're better at that stuff than I am. 77. Yeah. 77, you know? Yeah. And so if you want to set up what the company is going to look like for the next 20 or 30 years, you know, there's a lot of value. There's a lot of equity built up in it, obviously, right? 80%, $1.66 billion. And, and the Millers are going to hold on to about 20% of it. Um, I don't know for how long, at least at least for now, for a while. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, unlock a lot of value and you got to recognize, hey, stuff changes. The generations change and different people have different goals. So stuff changes. But it just struck me. It was kind of like, wow, even Michael Wilbon has a little emotion, you know, and uh, face it. It's a national show. They could have blown right through it, you know. But I just thought it was uh, it was interesting that it, it got to him. Like, 35 years, that was a good run. He was out here for a lot of playoff games. The night I saw him, he was out here for a regular season game. And, you know, he's everybody's got a little Kurt Cragthorpe, right? You're making a trip for one reason. Well, hey, can I knock out two or three things? And he wanted to talk to Carl about whatever. And you know, you know how you newspaper guys are hovering at the end, like, I don't need everybody to get this. I'm not writing this for a couple weeks. I'll wait. And so he was, he was hanging back, kind of in the Ostertag locker region. <laughs> and then, and then, Carl, Carl, what are you doing here? And I don't know. I didn't hear the answer well, to that because it was clearly time for me to leave. <laughs> I was out. Yeah, they wanted a private conversation, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, I think there is a sense of sadness. I mean, this has been an institution, the Jazz, the Millers. I mean, they it, it goes hand in hand. I mean, it, it was just obviously a, a sad time when Larry Miller passed, and uh, you know, but it went to Gail, and Gail. Probably one of the two most graceful people I've ever heard publicly speak. I mean, she just has a way. She was on a conference call, a Zoom meeting with employees yesterday. I was on it. I saw Dennis Lindsay was on it. And uh, just listen to her speak. He's, he's so graceful. Uh, graceful is the word that I use. Other people want to use classy and whatnot. But for me, graceful is the word that comes to mind. And I extended that in a text exchange with the president of the Jazz yesterday about how graceful she is. And uh, I thought that, and I told him, I said that time when she came on last month to talk about the social activism and her role in it, and and you had asked her the question, and she went on and gave extended answers. I wrote about it. It's out there somewhere. You can Google it. And uh, I just thought, wow, man, what a powerful message she delivers. And she does it in a manner that you come away, a guy like me who likes to argue whether the sun is hot or not, uh, I can't, I I got nothing for you because I'm so moved by when she speaks and listen to their wisdom that she's accumulated through years. I mean, this is something that, I mean, I'm older than the 25-year-old and the 30-year-old, but she's older, way older than I am. And it's just like you, you, you can't gain that through any other way except experience. And she has it. 
and so you listen to her speak, it's really something. They'll, the Millers will always have a place in this community, particularly Gary, uh, Gary, Gail and Larry will have a place in this community that will be unmatched. It is, it, it'll be on a much larger scale the way we always refer back to the statues. Anytime the statues come to town, they show them on the screen if they're in the game. They get a standing O <laughs> every time, deservedly so, right? That's how they will be on a much higher level. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Travis Hansen, former BYU basketball star, joins us next. Of course, uh, you know, in the BYU basketball circles, there's a few people moving, and one of them is uh, Ryan Smith. So we'll find out Travis's link and what he knows about the, na- the new jazz owner, and we'll do that next. Joe Ingles at 830 and Craig Bowler Jack at 9. Stay with us.